Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the next episode. This episode, the journey through entrepreneurship is definitely an episode you don't want to miss if you are interested in starting your own business. I am so excited about this episode because this episode features a repeat guest. My name is Ronika Jacobs and you found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I want to say thank you. And for those of you who have been listening to me since season one, I'm so excited to welcome you to season three. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. My next guest, Dr. Wendy Labot, is helping people strive for more in the area of financial strategy. Dr. Labot is known as the financial healer and is the author of Diagnosing Your Financial Health. She is a repeat guest of the Strive for More podcast show, and since we had such a great time, I invited her back to speak on entrepreneurship. Dr. Wendy has a Doctor of Business Administration in entrepreneurship and has over 36 years of experience as an entrepreneur. Dr. Labat teaches individuals and families how to make their money work for them, acquire the proper protection to prevent financial ruin, build a financial legacy, and become financially free to live the life they desire. In this episode, she will share the best strategy to get started as an entrepreneur. Hi, Dr. Wendy. Welcome back. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a repeat guest on my show. How have you been since we last spoke? I've been great. And, again, thank you for having me on. I'm really pleased to be able to share some wisdom and knowledge that I have. But I've been doing a lot. I've been on a lot of podcasts, some TV shows, you know, virtual TV shows. I'm, you know, like I said, finishing up on the book because it's going to launch uh, September 30th. So I'm putting, you know, those touches on and trying to get that all finalized and staying on top of things, you know, trying to just stay and do what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> so far, so good. I understand that. Well, previously you were a part of the Wealth Building Edition, and you talked about building generational wealth. And in Mm -hmm. that episode, you briefly touched on entrepreneurship, which is what made me want to invite you back to do an episode for one of my entrepreneur editions. So can you please share with the listeners a little bit about your entrepreneur journey? Okay, well, I started my journey 36 years ago, and like there was no social media, no internet, and the only thing you could do with a cell phone was make an expensive phone call. So, you know, times were different. You had to actually 
network in person and get to know people and kind of build your brand just, you know, one-on-one where now you can be one-to-many. And, you know, I kind of went through a few things, learned a lot, didn't have any business experience when I started out. So I just kind of jumped in with no real plan or it was just, you know, the spirit lead me to do it. And I didn't make any money at first, but I enjoyed what I was doing so much that, you know, it didn't matter, which let me know that that's what I was supposed to be doing. Anytime you can do your passion and and enjoy it and not worry about money, then you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know. So that's uh, that's something I learned, you know, the fun but hard way. So that's how I started my journey 36 years ago and counting. (laughs) Well, that is absolutely awesome. All right. So let's say someone has decided to start a business. I I know lots of people who always have a great idea and they decide to go ahead and take the plunge or take the leap of faith and start a business. So what are the first five most important steps? The first thing, and this is what I advise my clients to do, is you got to reserve your name because if you don't reserve the name and you pick a name and someone else has that name or they've reserved it, then they can sue you for using their name. So I tell my clients, first thing is, you know, pick a name and reserve it through the Secretary of State, whatever state they're living in, through the Secretary of State. And they usually ask you to pick three names, you know, in priority, first, second, and third, because if your first one is already taken, then they'll go to the second and then down to the third. But a lot of times, you you know, that's not a problem, but sometimes it can be. I know when I started one of my companies, I ended up with a third choice, which ended up being pretty good. You know, it worked out. Create your organizational structure, you know, like your LLC or C or S Corp. And, again, that's done through the Secretary of State, or else you can, you know, hire an attorney. It's really up to you. But if it's an LLC, uh, it's, it's pretty simple to go on the Secretary of State website and just fill in the blanks. If it's a corporation, it's a little more complicated, and you may want to – a lot of people, you know, use like the do-it-yourselfers, but pay an attorney 500 bucks or so and get it done right and, you know, move on. Now, if it's going to be a nonprofit, a 501c3, now that's a whole different ball game. There's a process for that. You know, you still have your corporation, but in order to get the nonprofit 501c3 status, that's a a process that I would hire a professional to do. Um, And then you want to get your employer identification number because that's key. That's what you use to open your bank account, Uh, Do any kind of transaction. If you're trying to, you know, get business credit, you use that instead of your Social Security number. And you want to go open a bank account. And when you do, banks, they're not going to check your personal credit, but they are going to check with the state secretary of state's office to see if your business, you know, is registered with them. And then they'll, like I said, you want to use your uh, employer identification number, and they usually will open the account right away. Now, that's really, that's uh, the fifth one is kind of, I got a fifth and a sixth. I know you said five, but the fifth thing, and and I'm an avid believer in this, is to get the proper protection. You know, as entrepreneurs, we tend to let that, you know, be like the last thing you do or don't even think about it at all. But you want to protect your 
you know, your health, your life, and your finances because you're about to venture into something that's going to, you know, like I said, you're going to be the responsible party. So if something happens to you, you want to make sure that you're not going to be financially ruined because of an uh, illness or injury. Uh, you want to make sure that, you know, if something happens to you, if you have a partner or even your family, that they'll be able to, you know, you'll be an asset to them and they'll be able to go on without your income or resources from the business. And you want to protect your finances to keep, you know, from going bankrupt. So that's a priority. And a lot of people don't even look at that in the beginning stages of their business. They really should have those things in place before they even start the business. And then the, the last thing I would say was, you know, work on your business plan because your business plan, you know, it's very, it's like your roadmap. Um, so, it's like traveling without a you know direction if you don't have one. So those are the top things I would say that are most important. Well, I'm so glad that you mentioned having a business plan. So how important is it to have a business plan? I mean, what exactly do you use it for? I mean, of course, I know that most entrepreneurs may have an idea. They have an, you know, a in their head about, you know, what mm-hmm. product they're going to serve, you know, what product they're going to offer and what service or what service they're going to offer. Um, so why is it important to write a formal plan? Well, it's an important for a number of reasons, especially, uh, like I said, it's like a roadmap. You know, it's just like if you want to go travel somewhere and you don't know how to, you know, get there, you follow with a map and now you use an app, you know, but still the bottom line is you get directions. And it's strategy, you know, it's, it's spelling out a strategy and there are a number of, you know, elements to a business plan. And, you know, the business plan, you there are a couple, you got to have an operational business plan and you need a financial business plan, but the bottom line, your financial plan can be part of your operational plan. Um, so you want to start out by just having, like I said, a strategy for your sales, uh, like a sales system, which would be your products, services, inventory, your customer uh, management. Then you need a marketing, you know, branding section that's going to spell out, you know, how you're going to promote your business and, you know, develop uh, the image for the company with, you know, your website, logos, funnel, you know, doing drip campaigns, that kind of thing. And then your operations, you know, are you going to hire employees? Um, are you going to have procedure manuals? You need to have them, but, you know, if you don't have them right away, that's still something that needs to be part of the plan. you got to have your legal agreements and your contracts because, you know, if you hire someone, you got to have the, you know, legal things in place. And if you contract with an independent contractor, you need to have that in place uh, because, you know, I know from experience and, Thank God I had them because, you know, you could get sued because of what someone else does that's representing your company. Uh, And then education and training, you know, how are you going to train your people? Uh, And then what do you need to know as the CEO or whatever your position is going to be in the company? And then you need a plan for your finances, you know, your accounting, your accounts payables, accounts receivables, you know, your lines of credit your payroll, and then, you know, forecasting, you know, how what, what your number is going to be if you're going to, you know, if your overhead is a certain amount, you need to know how much, you know, in sales you're going to have to get to cover that overhead and then subsequently make a profit. 
And then you want to define the roles and responsibilities of the leadership in the company, you know, the board of directors, if it's a corporation, or, you know, your uh, CEO, CFO, uh, sales team, and, you know, that needs to be defined and spelled out. And, you know, that those are the things, those are things you may not know everything in the beginning, but those are the areas that you need to at least try to figure out, you know, you, and it's a monitoring thing. You can't just do a business plan and think that's going to last you forever. You want to kind of monitor it every quarter just to see what's working and what's not, you know, say if you're looking at your sales system and, you know, you're not getting the results that you want, you have to, you know, look at that, give it 90 days and see what's going on. If it's working, great stick with it. If it's not, you know, you need to make some modifications. So it's not a one and done thing. It's, you know, you do it and constantly improve it as, you know, time goes on, as you get clients, as, you know, like now we're pivoting, everybody's pivoting because of the virus. So what the business plan might have said in December is not necessarily going to be applicable here in June or July. So it's important, but it's not, you know, something that's set in stone. Gotcha. All right. So I know there are several ways that you can seek funding for your business. Um, most entrepreneurs, they put up their own money to start out with. Uh, but could you, could you share the, of course, the pros and cons between business loans, crowdfunding, and using your own money? Well, um, It depends on what kind of business and the scale of the business. You know, some people can start a business with their own funds. Uh, You know, a lot of times they recommend you use other folks' funds, but you have to, you don't want to get in debt right away. You know, if you can avoid the debt, I'd say, you know, especially in the beginning, you don't want to be bankrupt before you get started. And when I say bankrupt, meaning you have more liabilities than assets. But, um, you know, crowdfunding is a new, you know, way to go. And like I said, that can be tricky. And it just depends on what you're doing, you know, your industry. Um, that, you know, GoFundMe, you know, a lot of things, people are doing all kind of creative things and they're getting money, but it's not, you know, it just depends on what you're trying to do, you know, what your industry or what your business is going to be all about. And then going to the bank, you know, that could be difficult, Um especially if your credit isn't good. Uh, you can, you know, try to apply for loans under the company name, but if it's a new business, they're going to want you to sign and be the guarantor of whatever, you know, funds you get. Uh, you may have to use collateral like your home or, you know, whatever assets you may have. So it just depends on, you know, the circumstances. There's really no one-size-fits-all when it comes to financing a business. Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned business credit. So how exactly do you build business credit? Is it similar to your personal credit? And, you know, if you have one misstep, then it just kind of tears down your credibility for your business. How exactly does that work? Okay. Well, what you want to do is you want to start trying to get lines of credit with your vendors, say if you have a product you're selling and you buy inventory, you know, you may have to start out with cash on delivery or pay up front. 
Um, but then eventually you can, unless you got good credit, if you've got good credit and everybody's throwing money at you. But if you don't, then, you know, just try to get a small, um, you know, line with your vendors. And as you know, you develop that relationship, then, you know, they can increase the line. And then now I, I got creative with this on, um, when I had a, my office equipment company, when I first started out 36 years ago, I didn't have a lot of money. You know, I had some lines with my vendors, but then when I started getting the bigger contracts, my lines of credit wasn't enough. And I got to where I had some of my customers, you know, they were corporate customers and they were, you know, promoting, supporting, you know, minority female-owned businesses. And, you know, at first they were trying to get me to, they're not trying, they were getting me to finance their you know, receivables because my terms with my vendor might have been like net 10 and they wanted to pay me in 30 days. So what I did was negotiate it with them and I was able to get them to pay me either up front with the order or within that 10-day period so I can pay my vendor on time and then, you know, me showing that good uh, credit with them the vendor ended up get, increasing my line and me being able to deliver the customer didn't have a problem with, you know, paying me within 10 days. So it kind of, you know, you got to think outside the box when you don't have any money, but just trying to establish some smaller um, accounts, office supply companies, or um, just whoever you're doing business with, try to, you know, get lines with them and then have it reported to Dun and Bradstreet. And that's sort of the credit bureau for businesses. And once you get that established, then they won't look at your personal credit. You know, once you establish business credit, you don't have to guarantee it anymore. So it's a process, but it's it's similar to building your own personal credit, but you've got, a, you know, some opportunities there. You can like to think outside the box. It just depends on who your vendors are and who you have to do business with. Okay, so you mentioned Dun and Bradstreet. So there's only one big business, as opposed to like your personal credit. There's three different ones. So there's only one. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as I know, I mean there may be others, but Dun and Bradstreet is the main one that you know companies are looking at. It's just like depending on what part of the country you live determines where they're going to pull your Equifax, your TransUnion, or your Experian. You know, if you live, like in my area, Equifax is the main one. I think out your way is what, TransUnion um, in Texas. But Dun & Bradstreet is the main commercial credit review entity. (laughs) Right. Now, earlier, you mentioned filing for an LLC. I know most people, they know they have a business idea, they have a name, they know to go and file a DBA, which is the name that they um, file on record with the county clerk's office for um, how they're doing business as that particular name. So why should you file your company as an LLC or an LLP in case of a partnership? Well, you want to see if you're a sole proprietor or a DBA, then you carry the total liability for the company. If someone, you know, uses your product or your service and they're not pleased with it, they can sue you personally. But if you're an LLC, that kind of gives you the best of both worlds because you get the tax flexibility of of a sole proprietorship, but you get the um, 
the protection from liability of a corporation. So if somebody, you know, if you're LLC, then if someone wants to sue you, then they could sue the company, but not you personally. So that's the protection. You always want to protect your person. You want to keep them separate. You want your business to be one thing and your personal to be something else. You don't want them to be able to, you know, take your house if something happens with the business. You want it to be separate. And that's why you want to have a formal structure outside of a sole proprietorship. You don't want to carry that liability personally. Well, I understand that. I don't want to end up being homeless behind my business idea. (laughs) I know that's right. I know that's right. All right. So, you know, French friends, they decide, you know, they have a great idea and they decide to go into business, right? Mm -hmm. So, and of course, it's form a partnership. So what are the key parameters all partnerships that should consider? I mean, should it be 50-50 or should someone have controlling interest or whether 51 and 49? Um, what are just some best practices for partnerships? It depends. Like I said, there's no one size fits all, but one thing you do need to do is put it in writing. You need to have a contract because even though, you know, your word can be your bond and legally your word can be your bond, you want to have it in writing in case you do have to take it to court. And you want to just spell it all out because, you know, you a lot of times you get so excited with on this business, but you don't think about all the intricacies involved. So you really need to, you know, look at, you know, one person may be putting up all the money and the other one has the idea. So you really have to work those things out before you get started because, you know, what may be a little idea that you come up with may turn out to be, you know, a multi-million dollar opportunity. So you want to make sure that whatever the agreement is, it's in writing, and then you look at it for the potential it could be. Because a lot of people, you know, just underestimate and they say, well, okay, you know, you get 25%, I get 75 or whatever. And then, you know, when it comes down to where, you know, it's my idea, but you put up the money, I feel like, you know, when we're a multi-million dollar company, I should be able to be compensated because it's my idea, you know, but you may think, well, because I put up the money. So that needs to be spelled out up front. And the shares, this had to be a compromise about it. Like, so there's no one size fits all, but it does need to be in writing and it does need to be, you know, decided up front. You can't say, oh, this is my friend, so I'll just trust that they'll do the right thing because you never know. You know, money kind of makes people go crazy. <laughs> and and it's not even just that. You just want to have clear direction about, you know, where you're going and, and who's who and, what you know, who's entitled to what share. Uh, so you want to do that up front. Wow. I understand that for sure. I mean, there's a lot of friendships that break up all behind mm-hmm. business. Um, and so it's really sad. But you're right. Um, in business, everything needs to be in writing. If your business is official and professional, then, you know, contracts is the way to go. I understand that. Mm-hmm. All right. Lastly, we can you talk about filing your business taxes. I mean, there's a lot of talk of some businesses and corporations that find ways to not pay tax at all. And then some people just also who just started their business, they also don't file taxes and then they get into a heap of trouble and then they have to find a CPA or, you know, some type of tax attorney to represent them. So, uh, you know, how important are business taxes, which we do know that business taxes are important. 
Uh, but what are the best ways to make sure you can keep track of everything and make sure that you're filing your business taxes? Is it once a year? Is it quarterly? I mean, what's the best way um, to make sure you stay ahead of that and IRS doesn't come knocking on your door? Well, like the old saying is, don't mess with the IRS. And I highly recommend that you get this. But if you start out right in the first place, like I said, you don't want to co-mingle funds. So you want to have your business account, your personal is separate. You want to have, you know, if you have a credit card, a company credit card from your personal, you don't want to co-mingle funds at all. That's a no-no. I don't care what it is. You don't want to co-mingle. Now, if you're an LLC, that kind of gives you the best of both worlds because you will file a Schedule C for your for the company, and that will be included in your 1040. So whatever profit or loss shows on your Schedule C, that, you know, affects your uh, personal, you know, um, tax refund or tax liability. Uh, and because, you know, a lot of people take a loss that first year or two or three, and then a lot of people are still working a regular job where they need those deductions because, you know, the tax laws have changed. So a lot of things that you were getting as an employee uh, exemptions, those aren't available. So, you know, people are taking advantage of the business expenses. So uh, as an LLC, you will file a Schedule C with your personal 1040. Now, if you're a corporation, you'll file a separate uh, whole filed uh, income tax return altogether, which is the Form 1120. And that, you know, is done on the corporation uh, or the non-weather corporation. And then from there, if you make a profit, that profit carries over to your personal taxes but you would pay taxes on on it from the 1120 and then you would turn around and include that profit on your 1040 and you know depending on where you are financially you would pay taxes on it because it'll increase your income on your 1040 now if you take a loss on the 1120 you know you're not gonna have to pay taxes but you can take that loss and put it on your 1040 which could reduce your tax liability. Now, if it's a nonprofit, a 501c3, then you would file a separate 990, and that has nothing to do with your personal at all. That's strictly, you know, for the nonprofit. So you don't get a benefit personally from that. So that's where, and, and you, you, you know, file your taxes. If you owe, you owe, just make arrangements to pay. And if you don't owe, that's even better, but file them. You don't want to go back because it's a mess. I do taxes, and it's a pain when people come to me, oh, I need these last three years filed because you have to, you know, create the scenario, and a lot of times they don't have all the documents, and it's a pain. But the main thing is to keep good records, you know. Like I said, when you start out, Make sure you keep your accounting. If you have to use, you know, like a software like QuickBooks or something, keep track, even if you have to do it manually, keep track of your income, your expenses, and, you know, your debt. Make sure you keep track of everything. All that is important because if you go to a CPA, they're going to charge you out the yin game to try to put that together. If you want to have to hire a bookkeeper, do that. Because you want to keep track of those records because that's key. So when it comes tax time, everything will be in order, and it will be a lot simpler for your tax person. (laughs) So that's what I would recommend. 
don't want to mess with the IRS. <laughs> well, I understand that because I know I definitely don't want to mess with the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> And then well, one more Dr. point with that. Okay, I'm sorry. If you one more thing, I do want to say because if you owe and you don't pay, what could be a thousand dollar debt initially could triple and quadruple with penalties and interest. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to let that linger because IRS will come and they will confiscate any assets you have. They'll put liens on your property. They'll garnish any wages if you have any. So, you know, you don't want to put yourself in that position because that will strangle the business. No, that, that definitely for sure is not something I hope anyone ever has to face. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dr. Wendy, our time is up. Oh, my goodness. I hope that the listeners out there, anyone who's wanting to start a business, they heeded the advice that you shared because it's so important entrepreneurship is a life of freedom, you know, and it's wonderful, but you do definitely have to do it the right way in order to have longevity. So I have one last question. All right. So if you had the choice, who are two people, dead or alive, you would have as special dinner guests? Well, I'd have to say my parents, and they're both deceased, and so much has happened in my life since they've they passed. I just would love to talk with them about it, you know. So I would have to say my mom and my dad, uh, because like I said, I've had breast cancer. I've, you know, got my DBA. I'm writing on, you know, my book. I'm on the national speaking tour. You know, my sons have graduated from college, and you know, just so much stuff has happened. I just love to just have a chance to sit there and, and, you know, catch up with them, even though I know they're looking down on, on me from heaven. But still, to be able to talk with them, you know, face-to-face, I would love that. Man, that's fabulous. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you, as always. Can you do me a favor? Can you take the time to mm-hmm. let everyone know? how they can purchase a copy of your book or seek your services. Okay. Well, I haven't put it out for pre-sales just yet because I said September 30th is the launch date, but uh, you can go to my website and just, you know, kind of monitor it for a minute. I think we're going to start launching the pre-sales, you know, probably the first week in August. We're going to have this pre-sale launch. But um, they can always, I am offering, though, a special gift for your listeners, a 20-minute complimentary uh, strategy session, whether you want to talk about your finances or even about, you know, getting advice about starting a business. Uh, You can just text the word TALK, T-A-L-K, to 770-796-4944. That's TALK, T-A-L-K to 770-796-4944. And then our website is uh, thefinancialcures.com, and that's thefinancialcures with an S.com. Awesome. Any last words of encouragement for the entrepreneurs out there as they are striving for more? Well, I just say go for it. You know, if the spirit is leading you and you have a passion and that uh, burning desire, go for it because that's where you're supposed to be. You know, we're going through the COVID. A lot of people are losing their jobs, but it's really been a blessing for a lot of people because, 
they're finally getting a chance to do what they've been wanting to do all those years, but we're using the job as an excuse why they couldn't do it. So now is the time. You know, economic times are tough for a lot of people, but, you know, entrepreneurship is just a blessing. Everybody's not cut out to be an entrepreneur, but those that are, go for it. And, you know, it's the best best world. I, I love being an entrepreneur. I don't know. At 36 years, my kids are entrepreneurs. We just it's a good thing because, like I said, you kind of write your own paycheck and, you know, enjoy life. You help others, and it's a good good life to live. So I say go for it. That's wonderful. Well, Dr. Wendy, I love your conversations. I love your wisdom. It, you have so much information to share, and I'm just so blessed that you have taken the time to stop by again and talk to me and talk to my listeners. I appreciate it. And anytime you want to have me back, I am always welcome at your disposal. So just, you know, let me know. And I appreciate it. That's great. I wish you nothing but abundance and blessings in your future to you and your family. Please stay safe and don't forget to wear your mask. Take care. Continue to strive for more. All right. Thank you. I was so appreciative to Dr. Wendy for being a guest on my show once again and sharing more of her knowledge and expertise about being an entrepreneur. She's shared some real gems. So I hope you were able to write some of them down. After all, she's been an entrepreneur for almost 40 years. That's as long as I've been alive. (laughs) That's saying something. Remember to book your complimentary 20 minute strategy session. She's giving free game to my listeners, so don't miss out on that opportunity. Is there a topic you want to know more about, or do you just want to let me know how much you enjoy my show? Follow me on Facebook. Just search Strive for More Podcast Show. Give me a shout out. Tag me. I'll give you a shout out. I might even mention you on my next episode. Thank you for supporting me. My show continues to grow worldwide because of you and your support. So let's continue to push my show up the charts, continue to strive for more, and live your best life now. See you in the next episode.